We never, ever, ever thought that we will get into an organization with 150,000, 200,000 code repos with 30 years of history. I think that the fundamental architecture of Apiro was scalable. We built it on microservices architecture, on Kubernetes clusters, and across clouds, but it's not enough. We have huge customers who will never ever expose their code bases, so you need to deploy this on-prem. And, and it's a very challenging architecture to support. My name is Idan Plotnik, and I'm the co-founder and CEO at Apiro. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Idan Plotnik built the platform to secure your development and delivery to the cloud. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Idan Plotnik is half Russian and half Moroccan, which mainly shows up in the way he cooks. First and foremost, though, he's a geek, having worked in computer security from his early days. Outside of tech, he's married to a professional surfer, so he and his wife surf Israel's waves regularly. He's a dad as well and stays busy putting together Lego sets or cooking delicious fish dishes in traditional Moroccan style. In the past, Idan sold two companies, one of which to Microsoft. At Microsoft, he felt the challenge and the pain of talking to risk management and security folks, begging them to integrate their tooling into the development process, which slowed down delivery. After spending so much time on non-value-add activities, he decided to set out and build a platform to optimize this process. This is the creation story of Apiro. Apiro is an application security posture management ASPM platform. We secure the development and the delivery to the cloud. We help developers and application security engineer be more efficient and make sure the code and the way they build it and ship it is secure. Because in the current modern applications, 
the attack surface is interconnected with the software supply chain. So this is what we do. We help our large customers secure the development and delivery to the cloud. I sold two companies in my past. The last one was Aerato, and I sold this company in 2015 to Microsoft. At Microsoft, I was a GM for software engineering, and I felt the challenge and the pain of talking to risk management people, application security, embedding their processes and tools into my development or our development lifecycle, which hold us from moving faster. It's manual risk assessment questionnaires before releasing to productions. It's multiple scanning tools and, and a lot of manual pen testing and threat models, which created a cacophony of contextless alerts. And then they just took the alerts and actually shifted to us as a development team to fix it. Most of these alerts were, were not relevant, were not reachable in the code, were not exposed to the internet. Some of them were in a test call or not even deployed to production. And we had, we as a development team, we had to invest so many resources on cleaning, prioritizing, and triaging the backlog, which wasn't part of our job. So we spent so much time on security and risk management processes and tools, and instead of developing business logic and bring, of course, value to the business. So there is no way that you can continue with the business velocity while embedding these risk management and application security processes and tools into, into it. And, and this is how we came up with the idea. We said, no one knows what they have in their code bases and across the pipelines and where it's deployed and where it's running. So let's build a comprehensive code, build and runtime inventory. On top of that, we will enrich with our deep understanding of the application architecture, let's, in, let's connect to all the existing tools. Let's enrich their alerts with the context that we have to help prioritize the backlog. And let's calculate the risk of every vulnerability. And lastly, we said, let's find the code owners automatically so we can close the remediation and reduce the mean time to remediation which is all ROI play. We cut down the time that it takes you to manually go and triage and prioritize. And we cut the time it takes you to find the code owner and fix the risk in your code. And lastly, because we have the deep knowledge of what you have in the code bases across all the changes, we can contextually trigger the relevant processes. So it's in a push and not in a pull mode and, and you are finally can implement these risk management and application security processes in an agile way, like triggering a pen test on a risky API that you just introduced. Let's dive into the MVP then. So tell me about that first version of the product you built. How long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? So because we started with a very deep code analysis across multiple languages, we first, as you know, in every MVP, you need to identify your ICP, your ideal customer profile. 
You need to go interview them, identify their most common languages and start from that. Then we built our own static analysis engine because you cannot take just a SAS because SAS was designed to identify vulnerabilities in the code. So we started scanning the code in two languages and we said the ha moment will be showing customers, just showing them things that they don't know that are exists in their code bases, like APIs that writes sensitive data to log files, like deprecated frameworks, like multiple frameworks that are doing the same job, then expands your attack surface. And lastly, which code you can actually delete to reduce the attack surface. And this was a moment for our first customers. They connected us to the source control manager via read-only API, and they can view things that they didn't know that were exist. So with any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs about how you're going to build it, what you're going to build first. And you're alluding to some of those at a high level. Maybe, maybe dive into one or two of the really important ones that you had to work through and how you coped with your decisions. We were the first in the industry that actually developed an ASPM solution. And ASPM wasn't defined back then. So we started talking with more and more and more customers and every customer had different languages and frameworks and technologies and processes and, and, and more and more and more because the development lifecycle is a very complex process. And of course, you know, where there is complexity, there are attack attackers and a lot of attack vectors. Early in the process, we learned that we need to go broad and not narrow, which means we cannot cover all the programming languages. We cannot cover all the frameworks. And suddenly customer started saying, hey, I need you to connect to my SAS and my SCA and my secret scanning and my other, other tools. So we had to go broad. I can't point on a specific thing that we had to decide what to start with. It's just we built a platform and building a platform, you need to show value, which the value was knowing what you have. This is a problem that every, every customer had when we started. And we managed to close deals based on that and expand with the customer with more integrations. And then we built a workflow engine on top of that to be able not only to answer the question of what you know, then how secure you are, then prioritize, remediate, but then customer said we want to prevent it early in the process before delivering to the cloud. So we had to expand our workflow engine to prevention mode, block the pull request, block the build, or even alert early in the development lifecycle at the design phase, at the commit to the feature branch, and so on and so forth. We went broad and then we went deep on each one of the segments, but the foundation of our success is, is the inventory. Building a comprehensive inventory of every code component that you have and the relationship between them. So it's a graph-based inventory 
And on top of the graph, we augmented data from third-party scanners and from our risk engine. And this is what we called a risk graph. This is the core technology of Apira. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. From that point, you're actually setting up this next question really well. How did you progress the product from that point and how did you mature it? And I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how you go about building your roadmap and you know what sort of process you followed to say, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with the Piro. There is one word that can summarize your, your question and it's customers, customer focus, customer centric, listen. The first insertion point is show them value, which is, you know, know what you what you have. And then is just listen and ask the right questions. I think in the first three years of the company, we are almost four years old. In the first three years, because the market wasn't defined, then we had to rely on our customers. What are the pains that they have on a daily basis? It's complex because you have different personas. You have the risk management that doesn't understand the technology. You have AppSec engineers that in some cases does not understand the code. And you have the developers that cares about business velocity and features. They don't care about security. So you need to be intersection between these three personas. Listen, understand who is the buyer, who has the money, 
and focus on their point, their pains, and prioritize based on that. So I think our philosophy is try to segment our customer, try to understand the deal size, try to listen carefully to what is the biggest pain that if you will solve this pain, they will actually give you money. If this is a pain, I will ask you in a very like crystal clear way, what's the budget that you have for solving this pain? You need to be very clear with setting the expectations with your prospects or your existing customers where you can expand when you provide them more capabilities. So there is no magic here, okay? It's building relationships, building trust, and then executing on what you promise to your customers or prospects. In operationalizing this and in going about, you know, executing on this roadmap, you need a world-class team, right? How did you go about building your team? And what do you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? I had to start with that. This is the most important thing. We have people that are much better than me. This is first, first and foremost. Two, I've never worked with with people like uh, Jonathan, my co-founder, Eldan Ben Chaim, our chief architecture officer, and Moti Gindi. He was the CVP for Microsoft Defender. These are killers, and we are playing as a team, as, as a one unit. This is the main reason why we're successful. Of course, we have other amazing people at the team, across our team leaders and VP engineering, and they're coming with huge background and knowledge of software development processes and application security background. I think this is the key. How I brought them together, I don't know, you need to ask them. I'm crazy (laughs) and I'm working 24 hours and I'm trying to push them, but these are the best people that I've ever worked with and and I love them and I I trust them and, and I admire them on their ability to cut through the noise and make a decision as fast as we can, even if we're wrong. Get a decision, execute, learn, iterate. And I think that this this is the secret why we managed to build such a comprehensive platform in a short period of time and serve Fortune 500 companies, huge companies across, you know, across industries. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vassell Edge Functions or Cloudflare Workers, you should put your data there too, 
in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy with the developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech/codestory and get started today. That's t u r s o.tech/codestory. Terso Welcome to the Data Edge. Let's flip to scalability then. And this will be interesting. I'm really kind of focused on more technological scalability here, although operational scalability is interesting as well. Was this built to scale efficiently from day one or with scale in mind? Or have you been fighting this as you grow and gain traction? So I don't think that you can actually expect the size and the magnitude of code bases that we are analyzing today. We never, ever, ever thought that we will get into an organization with 150,000, 200,000 code repos with 30 years of history. So I can't say that we started Apiro with scale in mind from an engineering point of view. I think we learned and iterate as we evolved and as we get, got more and more into production environments. I think that the fundamental architecture of Apiro was scalable of like, yes, we built it on microservices architecture, on Kubernetes clusters and across clouds, but it's not enough. We have huge customers who will never ever expose their code bases to, to the cloud. So you need to deploy this on-prem. And, and it's a very challenging architecture to support both on-prem private clusters and fully software as a service. So right now we are very, very scalable from an engineering point of view, like architecture point of view, but it took us time. It took us time and we had tons of learning across the journey of Apiro, but now we can we can scale to let's say the largest customer that we have right now has more than twenty thousand developers. It's a huge, huge development organization. That's a fascinating engineering problem to be able to support cloud, on-prem, all of that. That's a really interesting scaling problem to have to. But put it's together. more than that. It's more than that because you need to do that in near real time. Why? Because you need to stop the pull request and you need to scan the history of all the code bases and provide a view of all the material changes for regulation requirements. And you need to make sure that you track all these changes across the history and in real time for every code commit. It's, it's insane. And I'm so proud of it. It's, it's working in a large enterprise scale. And let's leave aside like... We can have an hour on operationalization because you need to integrate with multiple source control manager into their pull request. And you need to integrate into their ServiceNow environment and their Jira environment. And you need to track the lifecycle of a risk because risk is a live organism. You open it, you close it. You need multiple people on the chain to approve a risk acceptance process much more complex than that. You mentioned being proud of the team, but I'm going to ask this as if you 
You didn't say that, and I'm going to see where you take this question. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I think number one is the team. From everything that we achieve is to be able to assemble A++ players in one room. Our VP Engineering, Egal, sold two companies. Jonathan, my co-founder and CTO, we, we were at the Army together. Both of us served at the IDF in a cybersecurity unit called Matsov. He also worked with me at Errato, my previous startup, and at Microsoft. Then you have Eldan Ben Chaim, our chief architecture officer, who served with us at the same unit at the IDF, then was the VP R&D at Trustier that got acquired by IBM for $1 billion, then was the VP R&D and CTO at Trustier uh, that raised, I think, the largest A round in the world. Lastly, Moti Gindi, uh, who was the CVP at Microsoft for Defender, started from zero to $3 billion in revenue. And of course, our team leaders who joined from the IDF and from other startups. This is a team that I, honestly, I never dreamed to, to, to work with such talented and enthusiastic and, 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 and dedicated people with grit, with, with perseverance, with, with love to what they're doing, with customer-centric vision and motion. And of course, I'm, this is just the engineering side. Again, this, this, is, this is the dream team. And I'm honored to be and work next to each one of them, learn and iterate together. And we have an amazing, amazing, amazing investors from the top tier VCs in Silicon Valley, Greylock Partners, Kleiner Perkins, and General Catalyst. So I think, again, this is the dream team all together. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. The biggest mistake that I personally did made is to bring a CRO too late into the game because we were ready six months before or even more than that and we can we could scale much much faster so I think this is one problem that I've made the second one hopefully other founders will hear this and learn from this mistake. I thought that I can be a CEO, a VP product, and a VP marketing at the same time. Such a huge mistake. I felt this mistake when Moti joined, Moti, our chief product officer, when he joined, only then I felt how big this mistake was. And to any CEOs out there, even if you think that you will work 24 hours, don't fool yourself. You can't do everything and be successful. And I think this is the biggest mistake that I've made. Again, as I told you, we, we've made a lot of mistakes also on the engineering side. But I think these are small mistakes that we fixed early and fast. And my mistakes took too long to fix. Uh, but eventually, you know, we are in a good shape. 
Okay, this is fun to ask, Idan, and I'm I'm curious, you know, to, uh, to hear your passion for your product and your team come out in this question. But what does the future look like for Apiro, the product, and for your team? The problem between or the challenges that risk management, development teams, and application security teams the the problems between them is just going to be much more complex and much more impactful to the business. CEOs, CIOs, and chief risk officers at the C-level, at the board level, are talking about the challenges of application security because application security impacts the brand and impacts directly the revenue of the company because software development is the core driver of any business today. This is why I think the future will be one platform for risk management people that are not techie, application security engineers and leaders that cannot keep up with velocity of the changes in their code bases and they don't understand the architecture, they don't understand what's going on there and they need this view. And lastly, the developers who doesn't need yet another tool. They need to find the needle in the haystack and say, out of my thousands, 10,000 alerts, if I have 30 minutes a day, what should I fix? How should I fix it? And if you can automate it, please do. And this is multi-billion dollar problem in the industry. And I think if I can go a little bit like meta conversation, the application security market will be the next endpoint security market as you see CrowdStrike and Microsoft Defender and other 50 billion, $100 billion companies. This is where Apiro is going to be to lead the application security market. Let's switch to you, Eden. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. One of the people, like like everyone else, I think, was Steve Jobs. Uh, I learned a lot. I read a lot. I admire the way he thinks, the creativity, being into the details. Hire the right people for the job, which is a huge challenge. And I think... On the other hand, you have Elon Musk who prioritizes time in an amazing, amazing, amazing way. I think these are two people that influence the way I think, the way I prioritize my time, the way I choose the people around me. That's it. I think the secret is for every CEO now, nowadays, is to be into the details be more efficient on the capital that you raise. Be very, very responsible for your investors and to your customers and, and of course, employees to make sure that you're not yet another company that will fire 50% of their headcounts because you as a CEO not being into the details and, and, and making decisions fast as fast as you can, even if you are wrong. Get a decision fast, learn, iterate, change. And this is what I learned. And and if you see lazy people around you, let them go. Okay, last question, Idan. You're getting on a plane. 
and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Several times. One key learning, and I made this mistake in my previous startup, is do not launch your company if you don't have real customers that can be advocates to what you have built. Specifically, I'm, I'm coming from the cybersecurity industry for more than 20 years. So I will talk only about the cybersecurity industry. It's so noisy. If you decide to start a company, focus on building a very tight relationship with your prospects or customers and make sure they can be vocal and they can be on a video or you know advocate to their colleagues about the solution that you provided them that solves a real business challenge for them. Don't, do not launch your company because you think there is a new summit or this is the right time because it's a waste of time and money and resources. And with a strong advocate, strong prospect for a customer that will talk about what you've built, this is priceless. Excellent advice. Well, Egon, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Apiro. Thank you very much for having me. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.